the demand that we saw pre and post covid i would say it was 100x wow so yeah so pre covid yeah. ar vr was seen as a good to have but i think post covid ar vr was seen as a must have because in 2014 i used to spend half an hour on the very first slide about what is ar vr and then five slides later they confuse we are saying hey this is ar come on i just i just spent the first half an hour you know <laughs> Uh, and it it is very demotivating right i mean but today i no longer cover i mean that's observation like i keep entering a call to see if i have to explain what is there and we are in the last two years i haven't had to you mentioned that you had started um, working on xr labs when you were in college right startups is something that's that sounds very risky especially with all the parental pressure and everything else everyone wants you to get into a big company what you're looking at is a lot more maturity in the spaces like parents know about they've all seen shark tank at least you know that these things are out there and this is definitely a career option because what we are trying to do is definitely of course solve the problem and the customer doesn't care if you solve it by ar vr or black magic he just needs it solved the more and more demos we did the more and more customers we spoke to the more and more ideas we got in terms of how to develop product and things like that that graphics card has fallen inside <laughs> uh, it is not even outside i mean how do i troubleshoot this sitting from chennai right so it was quite a nightmare it was it was really the hardest days uh, because see, you're also spoiling the perception of the technology right if it is so hard to set up how will i spend the next 20 minutes coming them to get there because more than necessity is mother of all invention i should say deadline is a mother of all invention <laughs> you know <laughs> what gives you confidence overall in wanting to persist with it and be like okay i do believe this is where the industry is headed towards versus oh i'm not getting the immediate validation that i need so i just need to stop and start doing something completely different that's a great question ka definitely that question is something that we wake up with almost every day <laughs> hi everyone wait kartik is this real <laughs> nandini yes it is this is super exciting and i see how you played with the word real there we are at episode 10 or season 2 of the EITF project and this is super exciting that's right for this episode we have a super super exciting guest who is working on the forefront of ar vr and xr technology today we are talking to tirukumaran saravanan aka tiru the co-founder of xr labs for all of you who are looking forward to purchasing the apple vr headset this is going to open you up to the world of all things virtual reality but let's start by introducing tiru you know kartik this is a first for us we always start our interviews by asking our candidates what their first job was and in this one we were super surprised to hear that tiru founded xr labs in his second year of college that's quite young i think but yeah having a zest for all things metaverse and virtual reality tiru in college looked to solve solutions for customers using virtual reality technology you see the questions that can come up right do customers really believe in this cutting edge technology that is not fully vetted out and adopted by the world and will it help their problems well tiru answers all these questions in our exciting cutting edge interview where we discuss what it means to start a company that evolves with the evolving technology 
And as usual, there are some fun topics uh, in terms of the demo phenomenon and what can go wrong in it, and the funny things that deadlines can do to one. What can be the motivation factor behind it? In building XR Labs, Thiru has been able to solve huge problems for wind turbine companies by building them a VR training simulator, and has worked with the Indian Army to build see-through armor. How cool! These just scratch the surface to what XR Labs can do and what Thiru and his team are capable of. To learn more, go to xrlabs.co. episode of the EITF project. This episode of the EITF project, we have someone very interesting joining us for the interview. We've all heard about the latest AI booms and VR and XR and all of these fun things that are uh, occupying the uh, tech industry space today. So the person that we are interviewing today is knee deep into everything we are talking about. And if you've seen hashtags of chat GPT and AI and VR, you'll probably run into him sometime soon on LinkedIn or anywhere else you're, you're on, on social media. So uh, we're going to be interviewing Tirukumaran Saravanan. He leads the company XR Labs in India. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because not only is he part of a budding startup in India, but he's also working on the latest technology. So welcome to the show, uh, Tiru. Thank you, Nandini. Thank you. So uh, let's get started with the first question, right? Um, we, you know, at the EITF project, we work on career development and we ask on career, uh, we talk about career development questions, especially for people like Karthik and I who have just started out in tech and who are trying to figure out figure our way out in the industry and we always feel like your first job always shapes you know that career path so regarding your first job and your first experiences when you first joined the industry what was your first accomplishment and what was your first failure and what did you learn from either one i like to just take a step back because i started excel labs in my second year of uh, mechanical engineering undergraduate degree so i did not technically have a first job experience. XR Labs has been the job that I've been doing uh, since entering the space. But before doing XR Labs in my first year, I think I was doing a multimedia startup that was building uh, multimedia works for our clientele across the world. But then that is when I discovered this technology as uh, requested by one of the customers who was already doing some multimedia works with us. And when I did this demo for them, I understood that it has a lot more implications in the enterprise side. Two things. So one, we are not a startup. We are about eight years old right now. And we have about uh, 45 people uh, on board and we'll be 100 by the end of the year. We just raised our first round of funding. But since we've been a services company, it's not like we needed it uh, till now. right? So we're not going the uh, trajectory of a product company. But that said, we've been working with a lot of enterprise. Only now startups are, are looking at uh, augmented reality and virtual reality as, you know, like how, for example, Zomato or sorry, uh, any other company that comes out will be releasing an application. Now is when companies that are now being incorporated are looking at building an AR VR application. Right. Yeah. But till date, we've been working with, for solving problems of several other Fortune 500s mm-hmm. across verticals like 
automotive defense manufacturing retail etc so this entity as such you know we wanted to basically solve real life problems that are existing today using these new technologies called ar and vr technically no first job this is all i've been doing in terms of success and failure i think uh, we did in terms of failure as, as such we did try to productize couple of times some aspects of the solutions that we offer but what we realized is you need a certain amount of maturity in the technology before you release a product as such for example today you have food delivery apps and cab rating apps they couldn't have productized something until you had gps in a very consistent and mature way right yeah. until and otherwise the gps technology was part of all the mobile phones that's coming up there exists no food delivery app yeah. right similarly uh, for uh, i mean to build products in the xr space augmented reality and virtual space you need a certain amount of maturity in the market in terms of hardware right so we learned that the hard way you know we we really you know fell f- uh, flat on our face couple of times in trying to build product software products for the space but then we yeah. always you know since we always had the services business up and running we were able to come back you know we had a like a safety net in that form that's why if you see the name is xr labs the idea is that we will keep experimenting we will keep thinking around and yeah. we will find something that sticks right now what sticks is solving customized solutions so you know we're not building a product for now yeah you know there's so many parts of your answer that i want to pick and ask questions about first thing is you mentioned that you had started um, working on xr labs when you were in college right what does that look like for someone who is you know who's in college today who wants to start their own company what what do they have to work on how do they start and you know especially for kids in india these days startups is something that's that sounds very risky coming out of college right not just not just kids in india like everywhere else especially with all the parental pressure and everything else everyone wants you to get into a big company so what is the most exciting thing about doing something on your own and how do you get started with that as as the kids these days i think they certainly have it much much easier back then uh, you know than back then because what you're looking at is a lot more maturity in the spaces like parents know about they all seen shark tank at least you know that these things are out there and this is definitely a career option and today most of our parents would already be using products of the startups so they know that you know if you want to go solve a problem out there it can be certainly that's just one side of the coin right i mean the other side of the coin is obviously the educational institution back then saying that you know i i won't be able to come to the class because i have something to run you might as well say you want to go to a movie yeah. you know they would believe that instead of yeah. this it was it was an entirely different time and you know i feel quite old though it was just 2014 2015 uh, i do uh, you know feel like quite disconnected from the current base as to what i had it back then uh, but now it's a lot easier there's a lot of awareness in the space out there like people know what a startup is etc and definitely they know about capital raising at least they know such things exist about how to get started about it i think internet is the best teacher like we literally built not only the solution etc but also about how to get it done like you know we didn't have training organization how to build an ar vr application everything was youtube and we figured it on the go i think on the go is something that uh, is very underrated yeah. if you put a gun to your head you will figure it on the similarly if you get if you commit yourself to it you will figure out a way right yeah. it just it just about everything i think i think people will get it done yeah. uh, but right now this, the landscape is much much more mature than what it was you know the investors looking for early stage startup who will almost in- invest only on just an idea almost the keyword is almost you need to have some kind of a prototype or some kind of market intelligence to back that up there is liquidity in the market even though uh, it's not so overseas but in the indian market at least for early stage companies today there is some amount of liquidity that's available to provided the idea and the solution is something that works yeah no that's a great answer mostly because like you're saying um, startups are definitely 
not not just startups right uh, new technology in general are definitely a lot of interest these days because they're picking up quite a bit people have seen a lot of success stories like you said through shows like shark tank and things like that as the second part of your answer that i wanted to talk about is i started my career in a startup one of the most important things i felt like for for that company at least to grow was demos the more and more demos we did the more and more customers we spoke to the more and more ideas we got in terms of how to develop a product and things like that how important are demos for you as part of the um organization wow. you're working with that's an amazing question and that's one pain point that nobody has ever asked me because it was the biggest pain point in the early days so if you're talking about 2014 2015 the vr technology back then was this huge bulky v headsets that you need to connect to a workstation computer not a laptop the big tower desktops and you need to set like two sensors across the room you have to connect like 11 wires to get started Even if one of them is slightly loose, you won't be able to get started. In the race for launching soon, the brands like they didn't do a lot of usability testing. I think you know there is no pop up that says this is why that's missing. It's like a goose chase, and you got to do this with a customer breathing down your neck in front of you, right? Yeah. Not just that. We used to carry this. See, because we are based in Chennai, but the market back then was everywhere, almost everywhere but Chennai, yeah. right? So uh, we used to carry this in the flight. It used to get the attention of almost everybody in the security people, like. Now we are components that almost looks like IEDs. Very straightforward, looks like IEDs, and we got to explain like this is not that. This is something like we got to add and show. And in the transit, things used to come loose in the desktop, yeah. and uh, you know I had my co-founder going to a demo once, and he was like, "What's happening?" And I'm not able to connect. And he shows me like, "Well, I say you know connect to the HDMI cable," and he sends me a picture. It's like the entire graphics card has fallen inside. <laughs> you know, it is not even outside. Right? I mean, how do I troubleshoot this sitting from Chennai, right? So it was quite a nightmare. It was it was really the hardest days uh, because you are also spoiling the perception of the technology, right? If it is so hard to set up, how will I spend the next twenty minutes convincing them to get that? It was it was quite a nightmare. But then what happened around is first instead of the desktop tower PCs, it got replaced by VR ready laptops. Like you could now have a laptop that you can carry in a backpack that will not have loose parts when you get to the customer's location. That was a great improvement first, and then came around 2018, 2019. Your wireless VR, yeah. those were amazing. Like you know, today I just like pick it up, I put it in my carry-on, and not just that. Today the Apple security knows what it is. Like that is what I you know I measure the maturity of the market as. You know, if the security doesn't pull me over and ask me what it is, I mean that's all. I mean that's a great time to do this business. Yeah. Yeah. You know another another thing that I've always noticed about demos is like if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Murphy's law plays, especially yep. demos. You <laughs> know, every demo. time I used to prep yeah. <laughs> for days during demos, the moment I start presenting, something will go wrong, and you'll find like it's like you're a part QA person when you're doing when you're doing a demo yep. because you yep. find the biggest bugs when you're doing demos. Yep. So. Yeah, and you have to tactfully avoid them during yeah. the demo. Like, you know, let's just not uh-huh. go there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. see that in software demos where you're like, "This used to work till ten minutes yeah. ago, and something <laughs> happened, and it isn't working." So, a common yeah. undertone I see in all your answers is you attribute all of this to maturity in different walks, like security being matured, and understanding what VR, AR is, how the industry is matured, and there's an undertone where your investors have become mature enough to. evaluate ar vr startups as a whole because back in the day you would have had someone who wasn't appreciative of the technology in ar vr and what it meant and what it meant for society as a whole for enterprises and all of that so given a startup like yours who had the first movers advantage in the space relatively speaking and when people don't get you common 
theme that you end up seeing is, oh, we were faster to the market, but the market did not respond to us in the way we wanted them to respond. You see a lot of startups that give up and just want to start doing something different, right? So what gives you confidence overall in wanting to persist with it and be like, okay, I do believe this is where the industry is headed towards versus, oh, I'm not getting the immediate validation that I need. So I just need to stop and start doing something completely different? That's a great question, Karl. Definitely, that question is something that we wake up with almost every day. <laughs> and by the end of the day, we get the answer. And cycle repeats. So what happened really is, like I said, you know, we started with this uh, vision that, you know, sometime in the future, you're going to have an interface that is not in a keyboard, mouse, or a touchpad. That you're going to be able to see things in front of you in 3D models and be able to reach out and manipulate them. Like what Tony Stark does in the Avengers movie. He doesn't have, he doesn't even look at screens. He just gets the 3D model in his hand. Right. And we're getting that. It is going to happen. Right. Because we are not designed to, you know, we have fingers and we have arms. We reach out to things. We are not entirely designed for 2D interfaces. That is something that we got ourselves used to because of the limitations in our technology. But now that is opening up. So we, even when we started up 2014, our presentations used to start with the slide of the Tony Stark. And, and that is what we aim for. But that is huge behavioral change. You're talking about 40 years of computing interface being replaced. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. So what we did is we parked the thought of building the interfaces or the applications of spatial computing. We just parked that entirely. And we said, you know what, let's not do that now. We will do that when, like you rightly mentioned, the market is more mature, tech is more mature. But till then, let's take this technology and apply it in places where it can mean a lot of differences. I will give you some examples. For example, I was a mechanical engineer in my second year. I broke a lathe machine because I, the setting's wrong and it, and it broke right in front of my eyes, right? Until I graduated, it, it wasn't fixed. It's a huge capex, right? I mean, uh, obviously the college foundation did not estimate that I would break a lathe machine there. And this is a huge expense. I saw this gap, like if it is so for a college, you can imagine it for, uh, you know, an oil rig worker or an automobile factory worker, etc. They do not get that much of a hands-on training in the real world. They get on-the-job training, but that's different. It's like just like throwing somebody in the pool and expecting them to come out of it alive, you know, which happens in the industry. But uh, that's not really the ideal way. Instead of asking the market to rise up to our vision, let's basically bring our vision down to where it can make deliver value today. So what we're doing today is close to 10% of what we want to do. But that is fine. And in the last eight years, the market has actually grown. You know, what can, out of 100%, we started 10%. I think today we are about close to 50% of what our vision is, you know, in terms of digital twins for factories, etc. The market knows what it wants today and they're appreciating the technology. And I would say the uh, inflection point was actually COVID because, uh, you know, till COVID, uh, XR implementations and enterprises were predominantly in pilots because they had a thing that was working. Of course, it has no inefficiencies. But things were working. Uh, so XR was always seen as a luxury till that kind of time. When I mean XR, I mean both XR and XR Labs, right? It, it was a luxury uh, market till the pandemic happened. But during pandemic, you know, we helped companies deliver training. For example, we had a customer which was a US-based company. They wanted to start a new division. I mean, they wanted to start a new plant in India, but they couldn't, you know, give the expertise over video calls about how to assemble the products. So we built a VR simulator for them. We had a company that was starting a new plant but they wanted to guide the on-site guys how to set up the machine. We like built an AR application that will help them guide on the spot uh, using like a remote video calling plus annotations, etc. And like you said, demos. Like you know, uh, for example, we built one of the augmented reality demo for one of the largest automotive companies out there that enable people like you and me to just go see a car in front of us using AR and so on. Things changed after the pandemic, and and the momentum that it got continued even after the pandemic because now they've tasted the ROI that it can deliver. This is 
you know the work from home has nothing to do now we have got a new store right now what you're seeing is you know is not just one or two pilots we are seeing a minimum volume of 10 20 modules per customer and that's a huge shift because this is when you can grow the company if it's only in pilots if it's only in like pocs yes you can like uh, you know kartik rightly mentioned you will have the doubt am i even doing the right thing right because it's not scaling up people are not buying in they're testing it but they're not really not sure about scaling it up but covid was like the launch button in terms of let's do this and scale up and the demand that we saw pre and post covid i would say it was 100x wow so yeah so pre covid yeah. ar vr was seen as a good to have but i think post covid ar vr was seen as a must have because Absolutely. Uh, of the luxury it gave for people sitting remote able to monitor stuff and and, uh, and one more thing like i i no longer start my demos with definition what is ar and vr can you believe yeah. this because in 2014 i used to spend half an hour on the very first slide about what is ar vr and then five slides later they confuse we are saying hey is this is ar come on i just i just spent the first half an hour you know <laughs> and it was it was very demotivating right i mean but today i no longer cover i mean that's observation like i keep entering a call to see if i have to explain what is ar and vr in the last two years i haven't had to you know i that, that leads me right into my next question and i've been thinking about this as you've been talking about it as well right we spoke about demos in my last question but another very important part of like talking to your customers is educating them about what they need a lot of customers usually you know they take the demo they they come to the meeting thinking that this is something they need but also it, you know there's so many other things to what they have seen on your website at a first glance or what they've seen about the technology at a first glance that they don't there are so many other things to that technology that they are not aware of that could help them for their use cases how do you go about talking to a customer and understanding what they need but also presenting what they should be you know looking at that's a great question i mean that's also links to my previous previous answer about demos uh, this was a very show and tell technology i cannot i cannot start and say imagine a virtual world in which i enter yes. they have lost me to imagine nothing against anybody but people can't imagine that like, you can't give them one kind of a solution or something extrapolate into something else right yeah. and and it's bad for you as well because you don't want them to have a different picture than what you have in your mind Yeah. Right. So uh, we had to show like your black is my black, right? Yeah. So we had to show demos to the customers right from day one. Till today, even today, like uh, the only time we didn't travel for demos was pandemic. But even today, we do travel. We do go in front of the customer. We put the demo in front of them, ask them to try it out. Because that that's you know you need to get all your alignments out of the way at that point of time. But that's there about showing what uh, more that they should take. that's where our solution designers come in and like technologists come in they will understand the problem they will suggest all the bells and whistles that together will make a very comprehensive solution yeah though the technology is predominant the solution is predominantly powered by ai and vr we do send along web based applications for tracking analytics data like mm-hmm. for example if you're building a training simulator in virtual reality you'll give them a dashboard in web that gives the report cards if it's a forklift simulator you also need the hardware of a forklift steering wheel and the gear as well because it's not just enough that you see the controllers you also need to feel it because any equipment operation simulators are like more muscle memory driven our guys come in and they will deliver the entire suite of what is required so though we are an ar vr focused exclusive company we do have teams inside that is an iot Uh, and AI, for example, I'll come to AI in a bit, and also web applications. About AI, for example, today uh, we have a customers looking for a language simulator in which you can just put on a VR headset. You can feel like you are in a scenario where you need to use your new language that you've learned. For example, checking into a hotel in Paris. Where yeah. if I'm still a student of the language French, so I can converse 
with the you know the avatar in front of me in the friends that i understand and the avatar needs to respond in a very relevant and rational way like a real person would it can't be pre programmed for a couple of choices that is why we started integrating with chat gpt have a real time response of what i'm saying instead of pre programmed responses and so on similarly you know you can ask the avatar to represent an hr and you can you know practice your negotiation skills wow so these are things that we're doing today even when it comes to ai so it's even the our solutions are predominantly in the spatial computing side and what we truly believe is end of the day ar and vr is an interface layer for example when we start building uh, vr simulators we heavily rely on instructional design and e learning pedagogies and all that. and when we build sales marketing experiences we build bring in a lot of storytelling and a lot of story creative direction so we are very aware that ar vr is an interface layer and we shouldn't force fit it where it's not required and we should definitely take the help of other technologies as and when is needed because what we are trying to do is definitely of course solve the problem and the customer doesn't care if you solve it by AR, VR or black magic. He just needs it solved. Today, AR and VR is a means to an end and I think coming to peace with it is the first step. Actually, you sound a lot like Karthik when you said that the customer doesn't care when, you know, how we solve the problem. <laughs> he says that all the yeah. time. Um, there's have a lot yeah. <laughs> so, the the other thing that i'm realizing is like you know when i first started my career right and when everyone first starts their career that includes you because you've start you know you've decided to start your own organization uh, right off the bat the first thing you end up doing is like talking to customers going out there doing demos right so these are great tips to understand how to do a good demo because a picture speaks a thousand words i think when you start showing them something that's when they start asking questions and and it becomes a productive conversation um, to your point you mentioned covid and you mentioned how things have changed since covid for ai for xr vr and what is the next big change like covid did a lot to change for your to change your industry around right you mentioned you saw 100x more engagement with the technology from the audience right so what is the next big change you see coming for ai i mean everybody's talking about the ai boom and what sorry not just ai but for vr and um, xr what, what what do you see coming up that will change your industry just as much as covid did that's a great question anandri obviously it's not another pandemic because there's only so much it can do for the business but coming back on the technology front yeah. the single most force multiplier on the xr technology is going to be what people might think as an unrelated technology but it's actually 5g the reason 5g is uh, let me just show you an example let me show and tell so this is a vr headset of today so okay. you have big computing system inside you have a display etc obviously it's bulky and obviously it's also has to be having the battery inside imagine you carry around the brick on your head right though it has yeah. come a long way i mean we, i'm talking about all the wires etc it has come to yeah. just this form factor it's still about a kg the biggest problem is today the computing and uh, computing is essentially on the edge meaning it's on the device but what 5g will enable is that i can keep the computing on a cloud and i can just send the frames to the vr headset as an output and all the input by the user as an input and so i can completely disconnect the processing and computing load on the device so this will achieve a couple of things for me one is form factor it doesn't have to be this big you know you are actually looking at the form factor coming to a form factor of specs it can happen technically to the battery usage battery for just the input output display compared to the entire computing you are looking at expansion of close to 80% of battery life right because 80% of the battery usage is for the computing next you are practically unlimited in terms of the graphics quality you can practically run an avatar kind of a graphics inside the glass because you just you know i can just in the server i can just club like 10 computing device one and just make it like a master computer device for yeah. the glass and still it's the same kind of experience for the glass the biggest boom is going to be that that is when see if you reduce form factor and naturally of course if you're shifting all the computing out you're also reducing the cost of manufacturing the cost is going to come down form factor is going to get more sleek battery life is going to expand and what does it sound like 
smartphones. So you're going to have the smartphone iPhone wave all over again. I was thinking about Steve yeah. Jobs's demo when you were talking. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, 5G is going to be the enabler for this. I think we still need some more time for the 5G revolution to catch up. But when it happens, it's going to be one of the best things that can happen to the industry. Again, one more thing is people are actually very happy with 4G in the current use cases for video calls, for watching streams, anything that they need to do in real, in the current world, 4G is perfectly fine. And that is why you see companies like 5G telecom companies partnering with companies like us so that they can also you know, sell the, what 5G can be used for. That's why almost all 5G companies out there, telecom companies out there, have an enterprise program that is positioning use cases of 5G. Like robotic surgery, XR is definitely one of the biggest use cases they themselves are positioning. This is going to be an exciting time. Yeah, brings us back to educating the audience, right? On, on what they really need that they don't know about. So this yeah. reminds me of the concept that Ray-Ban and uh, Oculus have been working on, right? Yeah. Like where Facebook wants to use Ray-Ban spectacles yeah. for... In fact, AAC. Facebook openly told like this is the very first step of amazing experiences going for. In fact, if you want to see the best experience, you should check out the one by Snapchat called Snapchat Lens. Yeah. It's an amazing device and, and people don't talk about it enough. It's very ahead of its time. And we are very excited to see where this technology goes because the next step of interface will be a direct human machine interface. That's what Elon Musk is working on with the Neuralink. Like you don't have to even look at Excel sheets. You can just think about Excel sheets and you will get the work done. But today let's, you know, let's settle for the glasses for quite some time where you can see the Excel sheets floating in front of you. So that brings me to a, an interesting question here. You can either operate as a B2C enterprise or you can operate as a B2B enterprise. Like for example, B2C, you can use AR, VR to solve trivial issues in one's life like oh i want to check out my stats when i play tennis like or i can i want to do an action replay of all of that i know federer ended up using the google classes to do that but when you end up dealing with a b2b customer it's a lot of legacy that needs to be undone for you to even go make an impact from ar vr standpoint or even for the matter ai which supposedly has matured over the years and a lot of things end up coming down to how do you teach someone to look for the problems that they should be looking at rather than just wanting to go with the next shiny object and saying, oh, I want to apply AR, VR because Google's applying AR, VR. Oh, I want to apply AR, VR because Oculus is coming up with something fancy. So how do you look at this shift? Are we headed towards a B2C model in terms of large adaptation or are we also looking at, okay, it's a even blend mix between B2B and B2C customers? So that's a great question, Karthik. And these are questions that we ask ourselves every quarter. But what we have learned is the B2C market is quite unforgiving. You release one device that is not sleek or that is not fast enough, that is, doesn't have enough battery life. The entire future is gone for that particular brand. You saw what happened to Google Glass. They even named an obnoxious word after that product. They named insults after that product. It's a quite an unfair, brutal market, consumers, because they are very unforgiving on, on what they want. They want everything faster, better, cheaper, you know, and so on. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, that is a great uh, motivation for companies to innovate. But we're not there yet. The technology is still very complex. In fact, VR is much, much more consumer ready. I've seen, I've met many people who are, who've been just using VR for games and, you know, fitness games. My own family has it and not because I'm in the space, because they actually truly use it. Coming back to AR, AR is much, much more complex because, you know, you got to also like build technologies that can understand the real world around you, work in any kind of light conditions, 
outdoor indoor dust it, it, it's it's a, it's a very brutal in terms of technology expectation as well so we uh, right from day one we did find uh, b2c as a long shot uh, because like i said gps should have been there for ride ride hailing apps to have worked that wasn't there i mean we needed a stable ar vr device in the market for us to build something for that because you know we were not we were not even thinking of building technology for ar vr we were always thinking about building solutions using ar vr we were always very clear about it. coming to enterprise i found it to be much more adaptable compared to b2c because if their problem is big enough they are willing to change their ways to fix it because you have the underlying motivation which is capitalism and and that's a great motivation factor and and it's very simple because if if you can deliver 20% more efficiency or savings if you do this process but just change your existing process by a little bit a little bit trade off here and that they're fine with it for example we ha- did have a lot of problem being solved even with those bulky vr headsets that required 4 lakh rupee uh, workstation computers to run with 11 wires all that trouble that i mentioned people were ready to go through that day on day to solve their problem you know this there was this energy company a wind turbine company they were in fact our very first customers and and they will leverage is absolutely fine in fact they didn't even complain because the pain of not having this was extraordinary for them so over that vr was a worthwhile trade off but now we have seen since the technology has also improved companies that are in the automotive space where of course they can't go through this pain of 11 wires etc they are also adapting now because technology has improved so what i'm trying to say is in the enterprise side we have always been able to communicate to the customer like you know you can use this to deliver results but you got to change your ways here and there like this and they are absolutely fine with it because of the results that it gives interesting you bring that up because when you build a product and you are trying to get customer adoption on it are you then looking at it from okay i'm going to bake in specifics for one customer so that it is usable by that customer and then i can have n customer success stories before i offer a generic platform or are you going into the space with the generic platform and trying to adapt a customer's needs to how you have designed we did it's not like we didn't think of content creation platforms do it yourself platforms Right, but let me give you an example in the current life. So you have Microsoft PowerPoint, but you also have PowerPoint creation companies for you. All their job is to just create the decks for you. So it's not only the tools that's the focus here. See, nobody like I like I said earlier, it's not about the technology at all. It's a, they just need a solution for their problems. If you ask them, hey, you can solve this, but for that you need to do this, this like give them a twenty checklist product. They manage to live with their current problems. Like for example, if I'm hungry, if I'm really hungry, I just want the food. If I, if somebody throws a recipe at me and say, you know what, you can do all these ingredients today, you can do it yourself. I'm like no, please, no, thank you. I'll just stay hungry a little more. So that's that's how the uh, you know the attitude in the enterprise side as well. Their main business is their main business. They're not gonna spend time learning a new tool and a new content to achieve that. So that's that's one of the main reasons that we found that content creation tools are not picking up. The other problem is for the kind of customizations they need. If you start adding functionalities in the tool to meet that, you will end up creating the same kind of tool that we are using today to create the solutions for them. Imagine you have a do-it-yourself poster creation tool like Canva. you know like i think people use it probably right mm-hmm. imagine you keep adding more features into it it is going to start looking like the professional tools that designers use which will lead a kind of learning curve to start using them you ne- you can never get the balance see, because those customizations are the ones that give the result to the customer like i said they need the results right yeah. if you're not ab- able to add this particular step in the learning solution they won't be able to do a you know a, an accurate learning solution and hence this is not going to show any result at all so it's like kind of counterintuitive to push platforms on the throat of people today but what we do see is like how your laptops come loaded with microsoft office we do think of a future where ai vr glasses are going to come loaded with ai vr content creators to a certain level it is going to happen but to, again it is going to happen for the b2c and the mass adoption market what we are to, today is we are a learning solutions company masquerading as an ai vr company we are a sales marketing company masquerading as an ai vr company like i said you know that you know, our path one of our vision is to solve 
the problems and we are now focused on the problems yeah. not on the technology yeah. so you currently are in the software as a service space model basically you know, yeah, custom, custom software development shop custom software development shop so even till they leave leave xr and even today there's not the like when you want to create an android application or an ios application you don't think of a do it yourself too you go about hiring a de- development shop there's a reason of course today you do see no no code uh, no code platforms but one major thing that's missing people don't think of it when they think of challenges in the no code no code vision of xr right is that for the mobile and and web computing industry the design the ux ui guidelines were fixed ever since the computing itself came up right your close button is still the x x mark is in the bot top right or top left right of its mark you are minimizing etc it's all the same experiences so ux ui is a standard but in xr technologies ux ui is not a standard yet we don't know how to build i mean there is no material that says out that this is the best way to build a meme it's not that there can be infinite option in fact only since 2019 we were even able to put together the best elements together and like we were one of the early movers in establishing a ux ui guideline as well this is what happens when you're trying to play in the field of a new computing space you got you got to define your own ux ui guidelines as well without that standardized you can't build creators or also because you would end up you can't expect your design uh, you know your end user to think of ux ui themselves they need templates to work on and you don't have such templates today i want to shift topics a little bit to you as an entrepreneur and your company as a as an entrepreneurial venture one of the things you know that you mentioned was that you've been in you've been in this field for the past 8 years right so and you have been building this company for the past 8 years building this technology what would you say like you know usually when companies are you know in the early stages of building their product or their solution they get a lot of early opportunities that they are not ready for right because they are still you know kind of building that what would you say was uh, one such learning that you got from an early opportunity that you weren't ready for that you know you built right now to be ready to accept that the approach at excel labs and and even in my personal life has been the counter of that for example let me tell you more detail about how how the center thing came up so in my previous stint uh, in running the multimedia agency we had a customer ask us hey do you guys know what ar ar is and Have you done something in that? I muttered yes, yeah. right? Because it was in the flow. I said yes. He said, "Okay, great. You know, bring a demo to me." Right. So okay. I come back home and I Google how to build an AR application. This was somewhere in October 2024, 2014. And we morning air demo because it was my reputation at stake. It was I already told this guy yes, and I go and show the demo to him. Obviously, he didn't take it up. So that was even the birth of Excel Labs. That I didn't wait for us to get ready for that. I said yes and got myself ready. And that DNA is in the company as well. You can never be ready because you know you're showing some idea and the customer wants something for this problem. You know, you, it's, it's, everything is new. Our very first customer was a wind turbine company, like I mentioned. They said, "Can you do this?" We said yes. on the way to the office from their office we figure out how to get it done more than necessity is mother of all invention i should say deadline is a mother of all invention <laughs> you know <laughs> in this case it, it was quite a true to its word deadline like gun in the head i so, think i may yeah. name this episode after that deadline is a mother of innovation i think a lot of people can can uh, actually relate to that quite a bit because i i know that i've been you know under tight deadlines as well and i feel like i think out of the box during those times yep Yeah and for the kind of problems you solved just because we given a timeline to the customers like I could write a book <laughs> <laughs> One other thing is you are working on technology that's like pretty I would say relatively new to anybody who's trying to use it. I'm going back to the like you know iPhone analogy. The people in the market today have seen the evolution of the iPhone, have seen the evolution of the smartphone. So they know that you know investing a lot way ahead of time into something that is going to mature over time and may get cheaper, you know, may get better in terms of design and things like that may not yeah. be a wise thing to do. So 
how do you okay. get your customers to buy into a mature uh, why into your technology that is not yet mature when they've when they are already educated on something like this okay you speak like a true cfo nandini thank you for that right so you like like <laughs> you are like 10 of my customers put together in this interview so <laughs> yeah i mean these are questions that we do of you know ads and now and then so here's the thing what i'm truly against is forking of the device market i don't want a scenario like the android scenario happening for the xspx though people might think it's good for the consumers it's actually very bad thing for the consumers because in terms of functionalities in terms of capabilities you get the least common denominator when i'm building an app let's say for the consumer market in the xr space i will have to take what is the lowest bit that is in the market and build for that and that's not going to be really good for the end user right i mean you want them to use something more and that is where i truly believe in the principle of not having too many models and like having few flagship models and of course having reverse compatibility meaning what you build for the second version being supported in the third version obviously you can't run the third application in the fourth at least reverse compatibility should be possible out of all the vihs company only one or two is really going the right direction of you know according to me at least that they don't release a lot of models and confuse the market you know i shouldn't be sitting with a matrix of features to understand which one should i select in this especially if you throw in the factor of time which is what we do in the future it goes for a toss you you get uh, decision paralysis so one is obviously having the support of oems who don't confuse the market with too many devices too frequent but that said thankfully our pain points also very short lived see an automobile company is only worried about the next two quarters and, and the budgets also worked in doubt that you know they will be able to get data in the next two quarters even of the hardware that is why also this is being solved by many reasons one the hardware cost has come down where it is now in the cost of some 40000 rupee mobile phone and that they can take the roi out in like in about 2 3 quarters max and 2 3 quarters is quarters even the life cycle of the content that they create for that so when you create a product visualizer in ar the product goes out of fashion in in a, in a year so yes obsolescence is definitely there but it's not a problem because we are, we are doing it for a very customized solution for a particular product or a particular process in a particular company which by itself has a life cycle of course that's why customers don't just want to throw up the headsets they want to like build the next content also for it if they can in that sense is when the oem supporting the device for long term and having backwards compatibility makes sense for us you know that's a very very interesting answer you know very thought provoking in terms of when you build something new you always have to think about backwards compatibility but only to a certain extent at some point you got to leave the old stuff behind and you got to make that clean cut and move forward to a certain extent you always have to think about what do existing customers do uh, in terms of adapting the new technology right so that's a that's a great answer that's something that i think organizations in general can also think about only to a certain extent can you also support that backwards compatibility you have to move forward at some point absolutely and then what interesting thought about xr is only recently the entire amc model is coming up for xr if you see uh, infosys or any other large it player predominant of their revenue would be coming from uh, support services uh, but the xr space didn't have that because like you said the content did not live for more than a year in in some cases even a few months but now it's it's, it's changing and we are picking up Uh, support contracts as well where we keep updating the process and if we, if a new device releases we'll migrate it we we're, we're picking up such contracts as well now yeah but even for you as a company right all your supporting software they keep updating the supporting software as well right if if you are going to be using chat gpt for example you're going to be getting newer versions of chat gpt like it's it's something that's like you know growing as well if you're using third party tools that are going to keep changing yep. their ui and apis you're going to have to adapt to that as well and you know if people are using automation to use your products they're going to have to move on with the apis that, that you're providing so so absolutely so being a co-founder and being in a relatively newer space do you get questioned on explainability of technology and 
safety of technology because you hear a lot of concerns around ai safety and why something got represented the way it got represented and wanting more explainability with regards to regulations now at this point of time with gdpr and all of that how do you see that getting shaped up in ar vr space especially when we end up using something like chat gpt where you do not know the source from where it came from it just came because chat gpt was through plausibility was able to give you a sequence that you had to interpret great question karthik i think i think to iterate on the fact that we strongly portray uh, our role in such integrations is that we are only the interface here again if you are asking a question and the ai component is, is throwing uh, the responds in such a way we do have our indemnifications in place but that said all of our ai integration vr is in a very early stage it's not like it's, it's up for mass adoption yet even the ai space there's a lot of things going around for the ai security and about a 6 months uh, timeline to before you launch a new product and so on so a lot of things is already shifting basis over there and and we are not bringing that chaos to our enterprise customers like it takes 6 months to issue a po like my, by the time it comes out my entire proposal could be irrelevant right now so we we're not doing those moves at, at this point of time but i certainly do see that's why i say you know i feel really old though you know we i started this new technology ever since chatgpt came out i feel like gosh things are moving so fast like i thought ai we was moving fast and the last 6 months feels like the last 3 years i mean it's just like 3 years compression Six months. We all have a very exciting day in my head. We did not see ChatGPT coming, right? And through pandemic, AR, VR was in the boom. IoT, uh, eSIMs were coming up. A lot of technologies coming up, but nobody saw ChatGPT, and nobody saw ChatGPT four coming up. They saw ChatGPT three, and for six months we were still going, "Wow, what, what, what is this?" And then ChatGPT four comes up. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" So I think the only thing that we're going to be ready for is to be ready for anything, you know. And when we'll uh, take it like really on proven use cases, we'll keep that running. And we do have our own R&D team that experiments on new ideas, new solutions, but we are really excited for the next 5 years because we know it's going to be nothing like the last few years one one other thing that i want to mention i feel like this interview can go on in like different parts because there's so much to yeah. learn <laughs> like you know the, we can just yeah. keep talking because kartik and i are learning so kartik is actually in the ai field as well and we're learning so much from talking to you but i do want to talk about your you know you as a person in as someone who who was a co-founder of xr lab i'm sure right now you're sitting here talking to us but there are 100 invisible people around you that may your company what it is right so i want to talk about you and your team right on what you guys do together i'm sure you know your transition from being uh, someone who started working on the technology to uh, having to delegate to other people working around you must have been very difficult i mean i know i found that very difficult in terms of trusting people to do what i thought i was doing well how how did you manage that transition and how does your team help you build what you're building today i think that's the biggest dilemma that the founders go through right i mean delegating things yeah. even before founders like even between me and my co-founder like i'm not the ceo and there's a clear decision that we have that's that's what I would really appreciate about my co-founder as well. It is a very much a conversation in day one. It also takes a lot of maturity to not make it personal either. You need to have a very rational conversation that's black and white and and like put the organization first, which is something that we both always done right from day one, and that goes a long way because. we were not friends we were completely put together for just this now i know like a back of my hand about what uh, he can do make a difference he knows where i come in so uh, we are like very complimenting uh, you know talent set that we have so identifying and acknowledging that uh, is a first step that you won't be able to do everything as expected out of you in this particular role so first even in terms of the co-founders like who takes what 
and handles what is something that we had to do uh, and very early so you know we had our experience of delegation there itself as naturally you know when we start building things i was handling the entire the solution delivery because you found your involved through all this thing and i was more technical comparatively more technical and i was handling delivery but then recently we brought in someone who initially was in the marketing position and we found her to be a great person for delivery and it works out better than i was when even when i was handling it so she is able to look her entire perspective of things is much much different because i understood what it is my approach was the very different than keeping up timelines <laughs> so i think it takes it takes a lot of disconnect to keep things running to keep things accountable you need a certain disconnect from what's happening on the ground and that's yeah. what uh, this new person brought in uh, deliver and she is now taking over the entire delivery and she's doing an amazing job but all of her expansion plan is based on her doing a good job and it's a huge sigh of relief because bringing a client in is only like 10% of the job 90% yeah. of it is delivering a good job and ensuring you come back so that uh, that was a great lesson for us so today see when you're scaling up every day i started filling time sheets to understand where my time is going and see how i can get myself out of that and there are things that i thought for sure that i, I won't be able to delegate and there's so much context that i can't do kt and so on i think all it needs to just like you shouldn't put yourself on such a high pedestal if you are able to do it i think people should be able to do it i think you should give that to people and i did find it hard to understand first but when i did it was a huge sigh of relief as well because i was able to free up so much time for me to do the other things that excites me and and not just it opens your eyes to catch you know any misdirections or anything you know you're not busy hands doing something hands on you get to sit back and observe what's happening in front of you will be able to identify things that are going wrong as well that's a great answer because like you know there there are multiple aspects to your answer there first of all recognize that you need someone that's the first realization because actually i think that happens when when your calendar gets double booked sometimes um and <laughs> more often than you or you haven't eaten the entire day <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is one thing, but also the the second thing is recognizing that the person that that is coming in is capable of doing it, and is also you need to give them a chance, right? In terms of teaching them and getting them to the place that they're comfortable, because you may have learned something from scratch, but you can't expect them to do it because they're coming in at a different time in the organization when it's like growing faster than when absolutely being there for them and actually giving them a chance is is very important. I'm I feel like I'm a hypocrite Absolutely, saying that yeah. because I I have I have been in a position where I've expected the person coming in to just know what they're doing but I've I also realized that over time that training is important because the place where I joined the company was very different in terms of from when they joined the company just follow up on your previous question because I see this trend at least on Shark Tank and I've also seen it in some couple yeah. of live examples where companies don't have a set ownership pattern founders do not have their roles clearly demarcated how important is it for the roles to be demarcated at the ownership level to induce downward clarity to all the team in terms of who's in charge of what because i know investors end up asking you questions right like okay who are you who are you what is your role what is your role and sometimes there's clear overlap between what people do and it just sweeps in a lot of doubts in terms of but even invest is it a stable company will it implode eventually i think as founders uh, though it could be counterintuitive to my previous answer you do need to do all jobs as and when required for example even if the sales focused founder Uh, should be able to know the process of delivery so that let's say the delivery focused founder is not in action for whatever reason you can't have the company tank so i think it's very important so in the three in the between the three of us right now so we started this two people and in around 2019 we are the delivery head as the another partner in this and between the three of us there is possibility that we could do the other person's job if that was a scenario we can 
we can rise up to the occasion but it's not that what you can or cannot do it's about what you want to do and where you more most effective like i said all of us can do delivery but there's one person who's really good at it right and really enjoys it as well it takes a certain knack to enjoy certain things not everybody enjoys absolutely talking to random strangers trying to sell them some things hence you basically aim the best personality towards the uh, avenues like this but at the end of the day knowing about all three of the details is very important clear demarcation is also very important so that accountability is there wherever demarcation is not there accountability is the first one to go out and all three of you are doing something it's all good when the results are good but what happens when the results are bad bad you it's not even about attack right it's about even trying to understand what is going wrong if if three people are involved in the same things you're going to you're going to have a very very polluted data to even see what's happening you know it's not even about the person who's doing it wrong it's about what they're doing wrong and you can't see that if there are three people doing things wrong in three different ways having a clear management structure like you said it not just helps in accountability but also helps in everyone getting clarity on what they're supposed to do we talk, we talk about this all the time kartik and i were like oh we didn't have the requirements so it's just so hard to like build things and what am i even supposed to do right so kartik is actually in a research role in his organization so he he have the he doesn't have the requirements most of the time he's yeah. the research and yeah. <laughs> the requirements right so but setting up those specific roles saying that you're the person who's not going to have the requirements so you you have to be okay with that and like you know you're the person who's supposed to be doing this that clear distinction also helps not just for accountability but also to move forward and be accepting of the role that you're in great conversation tiru we've had so many like so many good topics that have come up and so many good things to think about there's there's so much to learn from you and so much that your company is doing right now that i feel like is important for the world to hear uh, so thank you so much for joining us and um, thank you thank you namini thank you kartik but i do want to close with our last question and this is mostly for you know our younger audience how do you define success i don't think if you define success you're going to be disappointed because there's going to be something better than that coming up uh, that is just going to be best way to disappoint yourself either by not reaching it or by reaching it either way you'll be disappointed because after the success you achieve it life will be empty for you right technically so i i think success is even if you're going through a bad time if you're able to find reasons to get through it i think that is success even when we are going through really terrible times at excel labs we had some faith and we had reasons to get through it we could have given up easily at any point of time right? yeah. we are one of the very few companies that have survived in the market doing exclusively ar and vr only a lot of companies that picks up web application projects and android projects etc and do ar vr as a side hustle but we are doing this as a main focus so for us success can be defined as even surviving the last eight years and being there at the end of it and having such portfolios and built a large team but end of the day i think as long as through good or bad times as long as you know why you're doing it you already achieve success like because that sets you up for life yeah i love that you said that because looking back the small achievements are your successes when you when you think about it you may not have set those but the achievements that you have done even for us in eitf right small small things like launching our blog launching our website thinking about it now those were our small successes yeah. not just even surviving tough times were indeed very big successes right yeah. for example we went through a couple of issues that almost burnt the company down yeah. uh, but getting through that was also a success in my definition like it's not easy to do that of course yeah. uh, not everybody can get through that yeah 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 so thank you so much we had so much fun talking to you and i feel like we this conversation can definitely go on for much longer absolutely uh, i think <laughs> yeah this can go for days like we can go on yeah. different tangents of technology yeah. and all of that for us yeah. fun talking to you and so much fun thank you thank you kartik thank you namini yeah thank you so much for joining us thank you yes